This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mix in just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey, this is Nick Roth, and you're listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 201 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. We've got a fun one tonight. We've got a uh, multiple requests to do another Past Lives episode. I know, I love those. And then uh, I, I was noticing Tim May's. Posted something uh, either at the end of last week or at the very beginning of this week that he was went back and was binging on the other two episodes and how great they were. And I thought, you know what? It's time to do another one. Oh, so, good, good. Let's so, do it. So you can thank Tim Mays for this uh, episode <laughs> if you're one of these that love this. We want to give a big shout out to all of our military and civil servants and everybody on the front line right now from the doctors to the nurses to the retail clerks to the gas station attendees to the truck drivers, the farmers, everybody Mm-hmm. Thank you all for what you do. Yeah, thank you. And um, looks like things are opening up again. So that's awesome. Kind of getting back to normal. But yep. God bless all of you all for working so hard and taking care of everybody. And we keep praying for you every day. Awesome. We also want to do a special shout out to Taylor Thompson. Her family is really struggling right now. So we just wanted to give a little extra shout out to you and your family, Taylor. Yeah, guys. We love y'all, and if y'all need anything, just give us a shout. We'll try to do whatever we can, but you're in our prayers. All right. Of course, you know, like I said, it's, things are starting to get a little bit better out there as far as everything going on with the quarantine and stores opening up and stuff. I was just reading an article the other day that once again said that suicide rates have almost doubled. Domestic violence has uh, almost doubled as far as calls to 911 since all the quarantine happened. So we know there's people out there that are struggling more than usual. Keep an eye on your friends and your neighbors and just, you know, you probably know what's going on in their home better than we would. And if you know that people were having some problems already, just please look out for them. Make that extra call. Don't wait for them to call you. Amen. If you need help with the depression, obviously you can contact us or you can... uh, contact the group that we've had a lot of uh, extra support it seems like that in there lately with everybody jumping on board even even more than before which is awesome we're so proud of you guys or you can call the suicide hotline 1-800-273-8255 and if you're more of a texter you can text them at 741-741 all right are we ready to get into some past lives yeah by the way happy Memorial Day weekend, by the way. Yes, I guess that's... It, you know what? It's so crazy that everything runs together right now. All the yeah. days, all the weeks. It's because you just don't even think about it being Memorial Day weekend. I just, But yeah, that's a very big plus. We don't want to uh, even think about ignoring that. Of course not. So, we pray for you know all these soldiers that sacrificed their life for us and things like that. And just we want you to, them to know and their families to know that we never forget. 
For those of you who have lost loved ones in the line of duty, our hearts and prayers are out to you this weekend. Amen. Okay. Let's do this. So we've done two previous episodes on the past lives. And to be honest, they're probably the episodes that get brought up to us the most other than the musical episodes we do. Yeah. That's probably number one. But the past lives are right there next to it. And obviously we talked about Tim even posting about it earlier in the week. So without further ado, let's get into our first story. All right. Oh, and by the way, this episode, I chose some stories that are pretty detailed, but then I also have a couple of short ones in there too. So just good. give you the okay. heads up that not all of them are going to be as long, but I thought they were interesting, so I went ahead and put them in. In our first story, we're going to take a look at a possible reincarnation of golfer Bobby Jones. Those who aren't familiar with Bobby will definitely be familiar with some of his work. And what I mean by that was was Bobby was influential in a lot of the big tournaments and stuff that you see today. So we'll get into that in just a bit. A uh, little background on Bobby. He was born on March 17th, 1902, and he died December 8th, 1971. He was an attorney in his regular life, and then he took up golf, and he did pretty damn well. He won the U.S. Open in 1923, 1926, 1929, and 1930. He won the British Open. That's what we call it here in the U.S., but everybody else in the world calls it just the Open because it was mm-hmm. the first. But because there's a U.S. Open and a British Open oh. over here, we call it the British Open, but they kind of get mad over in Great Britain when we call it the British Open because it's just called the Open. Oh, so, well, why are you going to get mad about that? Well, because they feel like they were the first. First so they should, one. They should just be oh, called the Open. I and gotcha. That, they, they feel like they're more distinguished. Gotcha. So, therefore, they don't need the British in front of it. Anyway, so he won that in 1926, 27, and 1930. He retired from golf in 1930. So, to say he retired at the top of his game is pretty much there because yeah, he just won like what, major what? tournaments that year and the year before. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where most people will know him from. He founded the Augusta National Golf Club, and he even helped to design the course. Golf fans will know that that's the home of the Masters, which Bobby also co-founded. So nah, even if nice. you don't even if you don't know him as a golfer, most people know the Masters, even if they're not a golf fan. Oh yeah, the definitely. And, and Augusta National. He was inducted into the Golf Hall of Fame in 1974. Okay, so now that we know a little bit about Bobby, let's look into this case. So we've talked about world-renowned professor of, of psychiatry, Dr. Jim Tucker from the University of Virginia, a few times on this show. He tends to come up because he is the authority when it comes. To these cases. He's an expert when it comes to past life research and especially when it comes to children. Matter of fact, he's got like 2,500 cases that he's looked at over the years. Damn. So, yeah, a lot. He wrote about a three year old in California. The child's name was kept anonymous, but Dr. Tucker called him Hunter, so that's what we're going to call him. And a lot of times, like we've said before, it's hard to get the full name. Of these children, because that's exactly what the situation yeah. is. Children, the parents don't want the exposure and all that stuff. You'll find on the next situation, though, it's completely different. So okay. the next story, we actually get full names and everything. So this three-year-old starts saying that he is a golfer by the name of Bobby Jones. At the age of three, remember. So his dad, eventually after him saying this, printed out six pictures of famous golfers from the 1920s one of which was Bobby Jones. So the child said, this is me, when he saw the picture of Bobby Jones. 
But that's not all. He also picked up a picture of one of the other golfers by the name of Harry Varden and said, This is Harry Garden, my friend. Aww. He referenced Bobby Jones less and less as he got to the age of seven, which is pretty common in these cases of children with past lives. They start to kind of talk about it less as they get to the age of what they would call the age of reason. So usually about six, seven years old is when these memories kind of stop, start fading. And then they just quit talking about it. More and more cases, that's kind of it. But what didn't stop is his golfing ability. It seems that Hunter... Also was pretty damn good at golf. Mm -hmm. Dr. Tucker says that Hunter's golf skills provided an unusually strong connection to Bobby Jones. Out of the 2,500 examples studied by Dr. Tucker, only 9% were said to have extraordinary skills that were resulting from a previous life. Hunter's definitely one of those children. Hunter won 41 out of 50 junior golf tournaments before the age of 7, including 21 in a row. That is insane. <laughs> so many of these children with past lives have shown unusual aptitude, but not fully formed skills like Mozart uh, have with it, like it, who manifest in children. There's been some children that said that, you know, like they're um, a reincarnation of, say, Mozart, for example. And they can just play the piano. A lot of these kids would be considered prodigies. Yeah. And you'll hear right. the parents say, oh, they just started playing the piano and, and we didn't really, they didn't really have any classes or anything, but they were just excellent at it. And you're going to see a lot of that with these cases. The so, funny, I'm sorry. Ahead, so, no, the, the child, did he show any, um, like, same moves or whatever that Bobby made? You know what I'm saying? Like, did he stand a certain way? We're getting ready to get into oh, that. Oh, Okay. So the funny thing about Hunter that we haven't discussed is that his parents had no interest at all in golf. So it wasn't something they did. It wasn't yeah. something they watched. It wasn't something they talked about. So it was a shock to them when his three-year-old all of a sudden was obsessed with golf. It was a sport that, like I said, that they didn't watch or anything and hadn't been around. So mm -hmm. why was this? He just started playing with like toy golf clubs. He started watching golf on TV. And then he started, get this, he started designing golf <gasps> courses Shut your face. in his bedroom using blankets. Shut up. <laughs> Isn't that creepy? Kind of. So then he started insisting that his family call him Bobby. Oh, Lord. <laughs> he initially told them that he was Bobby Jones when he was big. Wow. Earlier, we discussed how the dad gave him several pictures. Yeah. And he was able at. to pick mm -hmm. out Bobby Jones and his friend. Well, they did the same thing with houses. His dad had pictures of houses, and one of the houses was Bobby's uh, childhood home. Mm -hmm. And when the kid starts looking at all the pictures, he looked at every one of them and said, house, house, house. But when he got to the one that was Bobby's mm -hmm. home, he said, home. So everything was a house except for that one, which he called home. Incredible. Experts have said that Hunter's swing is very similar to Bobby Jones's swing, and it's super advanced for a child his age. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. <laughs> I swear, it's just mind-blowing. I couldn't find any exact dates on when all this actually occurred, but it's my understanding that Hunter is probably about 10 years old today. Just by kind of following the dates of some of the stories that came out. Because I know that Golf Digest did a story on him in 2016. 
And I think he was probably seven then because that's when they started talking about him being seven. So I don't think they would have done the story in 2016 and talked about him being seven if he wasn't seven then. So you say like they as they get older, they just don't think about it too much or talk about it anymore. Is he still interested in golf or... Oh, yeah. He's still playing golf. And from my understanding that if you keep on the lookout, he may end up being the next Tiger Woods. So mm-hmm. I don't know what his name is, mm-hmm. but I know that probably in the next two, three, four years, you'll really hear about it. Because Tiger was like that. I mean, Tiger was, of course, you know, his dad was on him oh, to constantly, constantly be yeah. on, to be it. But Tiger, you know, was putting and stuff when he was two and three years old. Yeah, I do remember that. Oh man, I wish we could find out who this kid is. I'd like to see him. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to do a little more research on it. Yeah, but, that's so you know, wild. Because it, it's it's got to be easier to find than what some of these kids are. Because you know, if he, he, we know he was in California, and we know that he won all those golf. So, so there's got to be stories written on him mm-hmm. of somewhere. So I wonder if he's weirded out by that. I don't know at all. I don't know. But yeah, with most of these kids, it's like. The same thing with ghosts and stuff like that. When kids are young, they have really open minds. Mm -hmm. But it seems like as they start getting older and they're constantly drilled in their head, Mm -hmm. oh, ghosts aren't real. This isn't real. That's real. They shut that stuff out. So, you know, I think that's kind of what happens as you start realizing more. And that's why I think you don't have imaginary friends usually once you get past seven, eight years old. Same situation. Yeah. All right. So let's stick with the sports thing. And we're going to talk about Christian... Hopped. I think that's the way his name is. H-A-U-P-T. Christian developed a fascination with baseball while he was pretty much still in diapers. Okay, so a little bitty. He was even sleeping. with. There's a picture of him sleeping with baseballs. <laughs> like a, there was like eight or nine baseballs and his head was laying next to him. <laughs> he would go to his sister's t-ball games and would imitate what he saw on the field out there. He wanted to only wear his baseball uniform that he begged his parents to buy him. So he wasn't even on a team yet. Mm-hmm. He was too young to be on a team, but he wanted his parents to buy him a baseball uniform, and he just wore this thing nonstop. Every day, he would beg his parents to go out and play catch and run around the bases with him. Mm-hmm. So they would. By the time he turned three, now keep in mind, so this was way, way before that. By the time he turned three, his parents noticed that he had an unusual amount of talent for his age. There were videos posted on YouTube, and they're still there, so you can go actually see them, that showed his leg kick when he pitched, and it was very similar of a professional pitcher at three years old. Oh, wow. He also had a great swing. So these videos caught the attention of Adam Sandler, who put him in his movie, That's My Boy. That's My Boy? I don't remember that movie. Well, like most Adam Sandler movies, they're... Forgettable. Anyways, I like Adam Sandler, by the way. Yeah, I do too. Mel, but still, you know, some of them were like, what was that, Jack and Jill? Sorry, shouldn't mm-hmm. have happened. Anyways, when he was four years old, he became the youngest person ever to throw out the first pitch at Dodger Stadium. Very cool. There's video of that out there too. Christian's mother, Kathy, she said that his obsession with baseball started to come with some other strange comments. That kind of made her realize that there's probably uh, a little more going on here than meets the eye. The comments that he made made her kind of think that he may be the reincarnation of Lou Gehrig, who obviously died at the age of 38 of ALS that is commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm -hmm. 
When Christian first started talking, he started saying that he used to be a tall baseball player. These are like some like the first words coming out of his mouth. Kathy and her husband are both Christians, and they didn't believe in reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Even though they didn't want to, they kind of really didn't have much of a choice but to think this might have been a rebirth. They couldn't ignore the fact that Christian knew things that he shouldn't know, and he had the ability that he shouldn't have at his age. Now, some would say that kids like Christian and Hunter are just prodigies. But, you know, many think that prodigies may all be children with past lives, kind of like we said earlier. So we'll talk a little bit more more about that as we get into it. But let's get back to Christian real quick. Just like Hunter's parents, Christian's family didn't really have much to do with baseball other than going to their daughter's t-ball games. They didn't watch baseball. They didn't have a favorite team or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So once again, completely out of the ordinary for this kid who isn't around it to just pick it up and just be fascinated with it. You know, like I said, other than going to t-ball games, that was it. Christian, though, unlike his parents... He knew a lot of things. Like, he knew that baseball players used to travel on trains and they stayed at hotels, which is a pretty big uh, amount of knowledge for a three-year-old to know. Even, you know, he wouldn't even probably think about traveling and staying on to today's athletes. Well, yeah. Let alone how they used to do it. Right. How would he have any idea? He could identify former teammates of Lou Gehrig. He told Kathy that when he was a child, his lights had real fire in them. So his lights would have been like lanterns and oh, gas lights. My. And if you think about it, Lou Gehrig, you know, he was in the 20s. So when he was a kid, yeah, that's what they would have had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of places might not have had electricity back then. So that, how would a three-year-old even have a clue yeah, that's, about that? That's really wild. Now, one of the things, though, that concerned Kathy the most is that Christian got really upset when he saw this giant portrait of Babe Ruth in one of the baseball stadiums they went to. He said that he didn't get along with Babe Ruth. That's what he said. (laughs) Why was this a big deal? Well, because Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig were very close friends from an early age on. Mm -hmm. So this would have been news to most people that they didn't get along. So because she wanted to know what was going on with the situation, she started to do some research. And what she found out was that in later years, there was a rift between the two of them that stemmed from Babe Ruth's relationship with Gehrig's mother and later Gehrig's wife. So apparently, Babe Ruth was really hitting it out of the park. Yeah, he'd be hoeing around. So, and that's something that most, it's not common knowledge, but she was able to research and find out. And she only found this out because she was so interested in in how this could be, why he was so fired Mm -hmm. up and didn't like him. On top of this, Kathy did her own past life regression that she said, told her that she may actually have been Garrick's mother. Christina in a former life. So then you could possibly have Lou Gehrig and his mom both reincarnated in a similar situation where she's still the mom and he's still the child, but two different Well, that's people. crazy. In fairness, though, she, she didn't pursue past life regression until she had started reading and researching about Lou Gehrig and his family, so that could have possibly influenced her thoughts during this regression therapy. The Kathy, though, says that she didn't know anything about Lou Gehrig's mother prior to the regression that she did, and then she learned about it afterwards. So, mm-hmm. But who knows? Christian now plays for a very successful traveling baseball team. And like I said, you can actually look him up because that's his real name. Well, that's an awesome story. It is really cool. And then some people... Some people question her about 
you know, is all this real or are you just trying to get extra publicity for your son? And from what I could tell, you know, they had a pretty normal life. She didn't seem to really anything that's went on. He does have the ability and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that 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 would speak for its own. And that's what some people would say. If he's got this kind of ability, why would you need to bring extra attention to him with all this stuff? Mm-hmm. So I don't think she would if she didn't believe what was being said. Just, I mean, Sam, it sounds like she believed in what he said. Mm-hmm. So, but I think some people were saying, was she making it up? Oh, just yeah. to try to get extra attention for him. But mm-hmm. I don't think that was the case. So while we're on the subject of, of prodigies. David Sacombe was born in England in the 1930s. He later changed his name to Vladimir Levinsky. Now, he had such a gift for playing the piano that he was able to teach himself at a young age to be a concert pianist. Nice. He was asked about taking lessons, and he responded that he had no time for for lessons. He said he had his own technique that he followed. Good for him. He was so gifted at a young age, that he became to recognize himself as the reincarnation of German composer and pianist Franz Liszt. By the age of 21, he was performing in packed concert halls. Some called him the Paganini of the piano. And some of you remember uh, Paganini from one of the musical shows that we did. He was the violinist who wrote a symphony that he said that the devil played for him in his dream. And then he woke up and put it on paper and he said that he couldn't do the song justice. It was nowhere near as beautiful as what the the devil did. Of course, you talked about the devil's trill and um, all that stuff. And all that came from Paganini as I smacked the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) So the problem with this fascination, though, was that Levinsky was so convinced and consumed with Liszt that he sometimes would stop in the middle of a concert and just start talking about him to the crowd. And this did not make most of the patrons of the concert very happy. They came there to hear him play piano and not talk about, you know, this dead German composer. So this happened at a concert on January 23rd in 1952. The audience was disappointed, but Levinsky said that he felt that the concert was an extreme success. And he said that he felt this way because he was able to the experience the concert only as the reincarnation of Fritz Liszt could. So, like I said, that one's a short one, but... It's, yeah. It's That's so funny that he did that. <laughs> oh, but excuse me, by the way, I used to... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he even told people at the concert that, that he thought that he was a real I think he just started like, hey, uh, this guy's great. And did you know this? And did you know that? And it's just mm-hmm. like he was his PR guy or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, so far we've talked about three stories of people that most would consider to be prodigies. Experts at the craft of an age far too young for the skills that they have. That's kind of the definition. You will often see this academically as well, such as like these young children that can do algebra and calculus at four and five years old that haven't had even kindergarten training yet. That is so annoying. (laughs) While me, at the other hand, sitting there trying to figure out how much tip to leave. What's 10%? (laughs) What's Anyways... (laughs) Some go to college in their early teens. Most would be called geniuses. Those are all prodigies. So like we mentioned earlier, is it's possible that these children are so gifted because they remember what they learned in a previous life. So they would have really a head start when you think about it. I can't remember yesterday. And how are they going to remember what they did in a previous life? 
According to experts, prodigy children are born with a mysterious mix of talent and obsession with a particular sport, art, academic situation, music, whatever the talent is, they're completely consumed with it. Mm -hmm. Scientists can't explain exactly how this comes about or why they have these extraordinary abilities at such an early age. They think that it may be a mixture of exposure, opportunity, and the lucky composition of biology that creates a prodigy. Several prodigies, like the three that we've talked about so far, have shown signs of living a past life. In these cases, all three were professionals in their field. We talked about Dr. Jim Tucker at the University of Virginia being an expert in his field. There's another by the name of psychologist Erlander Haraldson at the University of Iceland in Reykjavik. He started investigating a case in 2000 about a boy in Lebanon by the name of Nazi Aldanov. This boy gave many accurate details of a man that he claimed to have been in a personal life that was now deceased. All the witnesses involved in this case were interviewed several times. And he caught wind of it. So he said, I'm going to go over there and check it out. So he goes over and he completely interviews the boy's family. But he didn't stop there. He also spoke to the family of the deceased man that Nazi said that he was in a previous life. He also interviewed the witnesses several times and several months apart just to see if the stories would change Mm -hmm. and the stories stayed exactly the same. He was most intrigued by the testimony of the dead man's wife. She had personally tested Nazi's knowledge of her life with her husband. So let's hear some of Nazi's story. At the age of one and a half, he told his mom, I'm not small, I am big. I carry two pistols. I carry four hand grenades. I am a fearless person. Don't be scared about the hand grenades, though. I know how to handle them. I have a lot of weapons. Oh, my God. Then he said, my children are young, and I want to go see them. He was one and a half. I mean, how does he even know how to talk that good at one and a half? It's amazing. He used words that his parents did not obviously to expect to hear from a kid that age, as well as showed an unusual interest in cigarettes and whiskey. <laughs> oh my God. Got me thinking, was this the country Lebanon or Lebanon, Kentucky? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he was a wild one back in the day. We love you, Lebanon. Don't get on us. You're close to us. We're all the same. <laughs> he said that he had a mute friend that only had one hand. And he also said that he owned a red car. Nazi then said that he died when people came to shoot at him. He was taken to the hospital by ambulance, and they gave him an anesthesia shot in his arm on the way to the hospital. Nazi asked to go to his home, Kaber Kamun, which is a small town about ten and a half miles away from the town that they lived in. And for our foreign listeners, that would be 17 kilometers. Nazi actually has some family near there. But he's never been there, and he doesn't know the people, and he didn't know anybody else from there either. So mm-hmm. the fact that he just pulled this name out of his butt yeah. at a year and a half was incredible. So after several years of begging his family to take him there, when he was six, they finally gave in. That was 1998. When he got to uh, Moon, they came across an intersection that had six roads. What intersection have you ever seen with six roads? 
I've had four-way stops, never six-way stops. I don't know. I don't know how they even do that. I don't know. I was trying to figure it out kind of in my head, and I guess if mm-hmm. I sat and put a pen to it, I probably could. But anyway, he comes to this intersection. There's six roads. Nazi points to one of them and tells his dad to follow that one. So Nazi then tells his father to wait for the next fork and then follow that to his house. Well, they drove as far as they could, but the road was really wet and it started to get difficult to kind of drive on. I guess there's probably a lot of holes and flooding and stuff yeah. like that. He stops the car, Nazi and his father take off on foot, and they're going to go uh, up towards where the house was, mm-hmm. where they, he wants to see where this house is. Now, his mom and his sisters were with them on this trip, so they stayed in the car. While they were gone, mom got out, and she starts talking to this man that she saw. He was a local man. And she's telling them, you know, what the deal is and what they're there for. And the guy that she was talking to said that the details matched those of his deceased father. The man she was talking to was Kamal Kadage, and the deceased man was Fuad Assad Kadage, who the son says he was. Fuad had died many years earlier. At around this time, Nazi and his dad come back to the car because Nazi didn't see any houses that looked familiar to them, so they just decided to come on back. Now, Kadage went and got his mother, Nazdia, to come speak to Nazi because she was curious once. She found out this could be the reincarnation of her husband. She wanted to see what was up. So she decided that she was going to test him to see how much he knew about their life together. So she asked, who built the foundation of the gate at the entrance of this house? Nazi replied, a man from the Farage family. And that was correct. (laughs) She then asked if she had ever been in an accident when they were living at their old house in Anab. Nazi replied that she had dislocated her shoulder one morning. He took her to the doctor when he got home from work, and she had a cast on for a while. That was also correct. Oh my gosh, I would be peeing my pants. She then asked if he remembered how their daughter, Farron's, became ill. Nazi said she was poisoned from his medication, and he took her to the hospital. That was correct. Nazi then walked over to a cupboard and said, That's where I keep my weapons. Now, there weren't any weapons in here at the time because it had been several years since his death, but the family did confirm that that is where he kept his weapons when he was alive. Nazi then went around the house and showed them hiding places for other weapons that they were unaware of, and yes, there were weapons still there. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Nazi asked uh, Najdia if she remembered how their car stopped twice on the way to Beirut, and Israeli soldiers actually helped them get the car started both times. Wow. She confirmed that that did actually happen. So then he asked about the barrel in the garden. He said he used to use that to teach her to shoot. Her answer was yes. She remembers, and the barrel is still there at the time. Nazia showed him a picture of Fuad, and Nazi said, This is me. I was big then, but now I'm small. So there's four pretty cool stories. What do you think about yeah, those? That was that was crazy. It's just amazing that they can know all this stuff, remember every bit of this stuff. It's, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about it. Of course you don't. I don't because it's so crazy. <laughs> well, it's like I said, in most cases, they don't remember once they get to seven, eight, nine years old, they don't remember anything anymore. They remember it early and they don't and it's just like as they get older they remember less and less until they eventually forget it at all. Hmm. 
know, there's very few cases like the little girl that was that thought she was the reincarnation of Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. She remembered later in years. The Tibetan monk, remember we did yep. that one? Mm-hmm. He remembered, but a lot of them don't. I just wish I could have half of that memory. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty impressive, though. Yeah. I mean, that's really some great stories. We need to do more of those. Well, I mean, we can't do them like every week. No, I know that. But anyway. All right. So I'm going to tell you who our iTunes reviews were from this week. And uh, Annoyed with this app was one of them. <laughs> Ronan 200. B. Hayden, 1973, and our old faithful Mojo Lobster. Thank you guys for your kind words. They were so, so nice, and we appreciate it. Keep those reviews coming in. It helps us more than you guys know. We really, really need to see some more if we can. Yep. You want to go ahead and do the... Uh, Our Patreon was Rachel Clarkson. Thank you for your support, honey. We appreciate you so much. It means a lot to us as well. And I hope you guys are enjoying the live shows that we've been doing. Um, they've been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. They've been a lot of fun. So I hope you guys have been able to tune into those. So while we're on that subject, we had the, the young ladies on from Your Haunted Holiday, Lisa and Lindsay. If you didn't get a chance to see it, it's still up on our Facebook page. Just go to our, our page and, and check it out. These young ladies are absolutely fantastic. They're, they are. They're funny. They've got a great personality. They do a very good job on the show. If you haven't heard of their podcast, Your Haunted Holiday, go subscribe and you can thank us later. Yeah, they are really good. And as far as the live shows, we've enjoyed doing them. Next week, though, we will not have one. We're skipping next week. And then we'll be back the following week with Shoes, Booze, and Tattoos. And the week after, we're going to do an earlier version because a lot of our listeners in in Australia and in England and other places in Europe, they don't get to to do the live shows because it's like 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. In the morning, yeah. So we're going to do one for you guys that it will be – about six hours earlier in the day. So for Eastern time, it'd be like two o'clock. But we're going to have Lee from Realm of the Supernatural. Lee Soway on with us on that one. He'll be our special guest. Yeah, so. that'll be so much fun. But anyways, it's been it's been a blast and we enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, now that things are starting to open up, we'll probably drop that down to just once or twice a month. But we'll make sure that we have some good special guests every time we do for you guys. Yeah, that sounds so great. Now, let's talk about, before we get out of here, live shows. It's the other kind of live shows where you actually have people show up. Still, everything is, you know, week to week, month to month. Um, we're the, the next show that we're even deliberating on is the Pigeon Forge show. Here's where we need your help. I need opinions. We have to make a decision in the next week or so on whether we're going to cancel this show, or try to reschedule the show, for a later time this year, whatever the situation may be. Now, I've talked to the guys from Graveyard Tales. They are comfortable physically showing up and doing a show. Mm-hmm. We are comfortable with physically showing up and doing a show. The question is, how about you guys? Who is comfortable if we are able to pull this off? What would it take for you to feel comfortable? Uh, right now, the place seats 60 people. That's jam-packed. And I don't know that it means that we would be right on top of each other, but I could imagine it's probably fairly close to each other. You know, would you guys be okay if that's the way it was? Would you guys rather uh, rather it be a smaller crowd so we could social distance a little more? Uh, and if so, you know, we can probably sell less tickets. 
and try to do it that way. Obviously, we would take other precautions as far as disinfecting and stuff like that. Uh, if people wanted to wear masks, they, they absolutely could, that type of situation. So that's kind of where we're at. We need your advice so we can kind of know where to move forward. Uh, August is Gettysburg. Uh, I need to check with the participants to that show just to see if everybody's on board and we can go a little further with uh, whether that could go. So it's really, you know, and, and look, we don't know what the future holds. We could say, yes, this sounds good. And in two weeks from now, there could be all kinds of stuff break loose in the medical world and, and change everybody's thoughts on what we can and can't do. Who knows? We're, we're playing this day by day like you guys are. So, But if you have an opinion on that particular show in Pigeon Forge, which is in the middle of July, is it something that you guys are interested in doing or is it something that you would do under certain precautions or is it something you just wouldn't do? If you can email us, text us, uh, send us you know, a message on Facebook or something, we would greatly appreciate that because that would go a long way towards our making a decision in the next week or so. Yep. Other than that, I can't think of anything else I have. Me neither. Just that we hope you guys have a blessed week and enjoy your extra day off tomorrow if you went back to work. <laughs> yeah. Probably a lot of people are like, no, we want to just go to work, but, you know, hope you all enjoy your week and have a blessed one. We all love right. y'all. <laughs>